There's many people out there with many theories about where the forest fen treasure lies. If you look at some of the Facebook groups or subreddits or even YouTube videos, you can see for yourself. The theories run the gambit. Some are coherent and some not so much. I found one that was particularly compelling by Robert Kittinger. What I found most compelling about Robert's theory is Robert himself. Robert is an IO psychologist who works with Homeland, Cyber, and Nuclear Security. If anyone was going to know, this was the guy. Uh, in general, I really like puzzles and cryptography, and I kind of did cryptography as a, a hobby, like building really tough ciphers and trying to break codes, and um, which is a weird hobby to have, but, you know, this is just another puzzle, right? I caught up with Robert on his day off. In his book, Robert states that he found the spot where the treasure was hidden, but that someone had beat him to it. Robert was kind enough to walk me through his own search for the treasure and how he got to those conclusions. Yeah, so um, I heard about it from my friend Uriah, and then shortly thereafter, I was just like, uh, you know, I've never been into treasure hunting, never tried that, never thought about trying that, but it sounded interesting. It was like $2 million is more than most lost treasure caches also. So I was like, that, that's actually a decent amount of money. And um, so I just got on YouTube and the first video I watched was the New Mexico True video. And uh, in that they kind of interview Forrest Finn and he tells his little story and he um, kind of mentions uh, the smell, of, you know, if you were where the treasure is, you would smell like sage and pinion and and then he comes back and kind of redacts that later on and, and says, actually, I just meant pine, right? So when he slipped up and said pinion, you just, in my opinion, you don't, you don't slip up and say pinion. Um, pinion is a very, very New Mexico thing. It does grow in Colorado as well, but there's just tons and tons of pinion pines um, here in New Mexico, especially all, all over New Mexico. For your own listening pleasure, here's the clip that Robert is referring to. If I was standing where the treasure chest is, I'd see trees, I'd see mountains, I'd see animals, I'd smell wonderful smells of pine needles or pinyon nuts, sagebrush, and I know the treasure chest is wet. Um, and so when he said that, I was like, it's in New Mexico. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, it's, it's here. Robert's job involves him analyzing people's diction, tone, and demeanor for meaning. Robert could not ignore the seemingly innocuous error by Fenn, the use of the word pinion. With that as a pivotal clue, Robert started his full analysis of the poem. Kind of knowing it was like nearby is really what got me into it. And I know that sounds like, you know, I'm not the type of person that would like sell my house on the hope that I found this treasure. It was definitely a, okay, it's nearby. I'll put a little bit of time into this. You know, the first trip or two, I was definitely way off and, you know, way too excited. And, you know, yeah, I was just way off. Despite his first failed attempt, Robert followed the motto, try, try again. But I felt like I was making pretty good progress pretty quickly. And I was like, yeah, the first two trips, like, throw those out the window. But um, after that, I was like, yeah, I, I think I'm on to something. And I need to take this a little bit more seriously because I think I can actually do this. 
After locating the area where he theorized Finn had buried the treasure, Robert made several trips. I had basically figured out where I thought I, where I thought it was, uh, which is kind of up Ute Creek, and this is you know what's in the book and what's was on you know the solution that I kind of came out and said that I had figured out, and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's there, and so I was like, uh, well, it looks like I can just drive up there, and so I'd made this trip. It, it's like a three-hour trip for me, so it's not, you know, it's a weekend trip. It's not super far away or anything. Um, but I got up there and I tried to drive up and then I hit a roadblock and, you know, it was like private property beyond this point, essentially. And I was like, well, that's not good because I just wasted my time like driving up here. And so I just turned around and that was kind of it. I was like, I, I can't get up there. And so, um, I kind of did some more research and more research and even became more convinced it was up there. And I was like, I've got to find a way to check. And so I found out that there was an old post office up there and um, my parents owned some land in Alabama. And so I was familiar with like the law that, and again, this is more of like, my dad told me this is what the law is. Not, I went and I'm not a lawyer and I didn't research this. It's just kind of what I grew up, grew up, grew up hearing was that um, as long as you stayed on the road and it was to like a post office, so like an, an old uh, Pony Express route, or if it's a county road, <clears throat> that's actually a public um, throughway, right? So you're not supposed to block those. Um, it's just trespassing when you leave the road, right? And so I was like, well, you know, I bought this like uh, electric bike and, uh, and then worked my way up the, the mountain, basically following the road. And then, yeah, I kind of deviated from the road for about 100 feet, so. Um, there, I, I guess like what really, really sold me on the final location, right, was I rode my bike up there and I knew I wanted to stop where the creek and the road met. So I just parked my bike there and I got off and I started walking around. And, you know, within 100 feet of that, um, I found a furnace in the middle of the woods, right? So that I was looking for a blaze. I was actually looking for what I thought would be a silver or a white star. Here Robert is referring to the blaze in Forrest Fenn's poem. And uh, yeah, and then I'm walking around and I realized I was walking on like coal and slag and, um, you know, basically the junk that comes out of a furnace. I was like, whoa, there's a furnace near here. I walked up and I found it. And so I was like, okay, that definitely counts as a blaze. And um, it took me a little bit more research to like really nail it down, but I found the reverberatory furnace. And then the line that says, look quickly down your quest to cease. Um, look quickly down, I take that as south. And um, to cease to me is two and six because cease is the six, is the pronunciation of six in French. He talks about in Thrill of the Chase uh, how he read this French uh, grave. I took that as like a hint that you know he knew French. Um, yeah, and so if you walk exactly 26 feet from the edge of the furnace, you will fall into a hole. 
and that is, um, you know, it took me a long time to research that hole and figure out what it was because it's a hole in the middle of nowhere. But I eventually figured out it's where a giant flywheel dipped below the ground, and so they basically had to dig out and give it a place to spin. Um, but yeah, so I, I thought, okay, your quest to cease. You know, went south, 26 feet, you fall in this hole. He, he had talked about, like, you know, lying there with his treasure and dying someday. And uh, the hole kind of looks like a like a casket, so it kind of fit. Robert searched this hole, this seemingly perfect solution to the poem, and came up empty. Um, and so that's when I basically said, okay, it's gone. You know, the clues that I've solved or whatever line up too perfectly. I'm not the smartest person in the world. There's like 400,000 people looking for this thing. Somebody found it, and they got it, and they walked off. <laughs> you know, that's not a hard thing to deduce, right? Um, and so I was just like, yeah, it's over. You know, I'll write up my summary in the book and publish it, and that'll be that. And hopefully, like, some people will stop killing themselves and selling their houses to go look for this thing. Um and I just wanted people to make more calculated decisions and, you know, not put too much hope in this thing. And I don't think it's had that effect. <laughs> Four days after Robert published his book, Forrest Fenn debunked Robert's theory. I want to say four days after my book came out. May have been a little bit, it was around that. But um, Forrest Fenn published on Dale's Nitzel's, you know, website, Forrest Gets Mail 24. <clears throat> and at the bottom of that, he just says, as of, posting the, as of posting this, the treasure chest is still where I hid it. Good luck to you and your son, Forrest, you know, or F. The issue that I have with all of this is that the person that debunked Robert's theory was Forrest Finn himself. I asked Robert how he could trust the word of Finn about anything. So... It's kind of a weird thing, like, to publish a book saying it's gone, right? And then very shortly after that, forced to kind of say, nope, it's still out there. And um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm in this kind of weird spot where um, I believe Forrest enough to go look for the treasure, so why would I not believe him now saying that it's still out there? I see Robert's point. I don't have any problem with his deductions about the clues of the poem or his searching methods. The issue that I find is that Robert, like many of the searchers, is just too trusting of Forrest Fenn. All this time I've been searching for evidence of the treasure that would stand up in a court of law. Right now all we have is the word of Forrest Fenn. The more that I have investigated him and his possible motives, I've only grown more and more skeptical. So where does this leave us? People have found treasures. A lot of them. The reason why this whole thing is alluring is because there are buried caches of forgotten gold all it's over the place. It's very important to have, you know, clear, documented treasure. To get perspective, I turn to a man who has found buried treasure. This is the voice of Captain Bradley Williamson, who has worked on several large, successful treasure hunts, including the recovery of sunken treasure 
from the 1715 fleet of lost Spanish ships. Yeah. Because someone could say, well, it's, it's $10 million. Well, you know, is that in bullion? Is that in paper money that may have deteriorated over time? You know, just, you know, what is this based on? That's one of the first things I would look for as far as vetting a project. You know, do you have primary documentation verifying that this treasure does exist and the value of it? Actually, the second thing that I look for as far as vetting a project before moving forward with it is can either myself or the person going after it be able to have clear title to the treasure? For example, like in Canada, it used to be like with shipwrecks, it used to be you could get an agreement with the government and go there and do a recovery and there was a percentage basis. It was it was fair and it was it was a good working arrangement, but then things happen and now they've passed new legislation where they've outlawed. You cannot do any recovery. It's the same way in the Bahamas right now. So if someone comes to me, it's like, I've got this great wreck. You know, I, I've got this information on it. You see, here's the documentation was carrying this. I'm like, okay, well, where is it located? Well, it's, it's right in the Bahamas. I'm like, well, sorry, I, we can't go after it. They haven't given anyone a lease in 20 years. I mean, we can try, but before we start wasting money and going down there trying to do recovery, first, you know, you need to have clear title to it because doing that without clear title is illegal and you can wind up in jail, which is not fun, especially if you're doing this in a third world country. You know, I, w- I wouldn't want to do this down in South America and find myself in a South American jail. So you need to be able to know, are you going to have clear title to it or does the person have clear title to it? Bradley is a huge fan of doing your homework. Here he pointed out something that I had not really considered, the title of the treasure. If the treasure is hidden on government land, then Uncle Sam would own a part of it. Using Bradley's line of thinking, the treasure isn't even worth investigating then because we don't have clear documentation and we don't have clean ownership if it's recovered. I asked Captain Bradley what he personally thought of the Forest Fen treasure. His thoughts were very zen about the whole thing. One of the things that I always like to say when it, when it comes to you know going on a treasure hunt or looking for a treasure, I mean, it's more, it's the people you meet, you know, the adventures you have, and the friendships you make along the way. That's the real treasure, far more so than um, maybe what you're out there looking for. I don't want to definitively say one way or the other, but I would just be very cautious. I, I wouldn't do anything that would put anyone's life in jeopardy or their personal finances. Just have fun with it. If you're in the area and you want to go take a look, have fun. Was there any point during the process, during an interview or a research, where you actually had more faith in the treasure? Absolutely not. Oh, wow. I was really expecting you to take longer to answer that. Well, that's pretty sad. So, I mean, I was there at Fenbury with you, and we met a lot of really awesome people who were searching for the treasure. Um, we did, yeah. Lots of cool people. Like, people that we've stayed in touch with, too. It was it was really fun, and I really liked these people, and I could see them being, you know, a part of our families. I mean, like, they seemed familiar. They didn't seem like kooks or anything like that. I mean, some of them were kind of kooky, but most of them didn't. So 
why what is the draw like what i mean do you think that people are just doing it for kicks and on treasure hunt or do you think these people are really looking for a treasure they believe is real i i think a lot of people um gravitate towards the treasure hunt for a sense of purpose and i get it um we all have that inner need for a sense of purpose and many people find that in many different ways um and that's kind of what i see as the unifying factor amongst all the people that we met looking for the treasure because they're all from such disparate backgrounds and yeah um in a great way it's a very eclectic bunch but yeah. the the need that human need that we have for purpose it seems to be what the unifying factor is so you haven't let me listen to any of the complete episodes yet you that's not true you've listened to one and two okay uh except for those two i haven't listened to any so i've been overhearing some phone calls and interviews and i've been with you to Fenbury, but i don't really know how this has all ended up so where are we now do we do we have any definitive answers about the treasure no only more questions cool so this has been super productive this time the only definitive information that we have to go on is um information regarding fen's character so if this were a court case and we were bringing character witnesses none of the witnesses that we've been that we've talked to have shown him in a positive light that would lead me to take his word on this and his word is all we have to go on regarding the treasure so going into this you doubted the treasure was real that's and true. the more you dig into it the less you the less you trust the person who says there's treasure the sole source of information regarding <laughs> the treasure yes okay so i mean is there anything that like I know that a lot of, I don't know if it was a sheriff or a marshal, people like government agencies, law enforcement, was pushing Forrest to get him to give up more clues. Mm -hmm. Do they have any power to do that any more than they have? Not that I'm aware of. Uh, I don't know what their legal grounds would be because he hasn't done anything overtly illegal regarding the treasure. Yeah, he hasn't At least even... nothing that's provable, like... Because he hasn't told people where exactly to go or how to get there. He didn't mm. tell anybody to walk the edge of a cliff or anything like that. Exactly. <sighs> okay. Well, did anything ever come of the FBI raids? Finn was never prosecuted formally. The, the raids were in conjunction with a case, like a larger case that the FBI was doing in regards to the sale of illegally procured Native American artifacts. Okay, so it wasn't really about Finn as much as it was about the issue of grave robbing or... Yes. Okay. That makes sense. So Which I... we could do a whole podcast on like the nuances of Native American art in modern United States. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I just fell asleep. What did you say? <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do that podcast. No. Um, wow. Okay, so... So we don't know if the treasure is real any more than we did when we began this. We have less faith in the man who claims there is treasure. And there is nothing the government can or probably will do about any of this. That is all correct. So 
for people who are hearing this and thinking, hmm, maybe I'll read the poem and find it, what would we say to them? What do you think is the wisest thing to say to them? Go buy a lottery ticket because your chances are better off on the lottery. Mm, yeah. And your chances are not good for the lottery, um, just I think to that, be clear. I think, that's, I think people know that. I, I would hope people, so. I think people understand what you're saying by that. I would right. hope so. Yeah, I don't think you have to explain that. Wow. Where the Treasure Lies is written and hosted by me, Michael Figati. All of our music is original and composed by Josue Arias. Our producers are Blair Figati and Josue Arias. We have a special thanks to Christian Makoto Hancock. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This greatly helps others find us as well. Also, you can follow us on Instagram with our handle at Treasure Lies Podcast. And if you have any information about Force Fen or the treasure, slide into our DMs or email us at treasurepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.